3: the dice are dangerous roll as little as you can like come up with like like it encourages players like look rolling dice it's literally you're rolling the dice you could fail very easily so the less you have to do it the better so it encourages the players to be smart so it's like if they can lure the big monster into a trap and neutralize it then hey
0: my name is jeremy gage and welcome to the draw your dice podcast This is an educational show involving all things tabletop role-playing industry. Listen alongside me as we hear from creators, entrepreneurs, and supporters about their personal best practices, principles, and philosophies. I encourage anyone from the budding game designer to a seasoned publisher and everyone in between to sit down with us and enjoy today's episode. Thank you for coming to the Draw Your Dice podcast show. My name is Jaren Gage as you are in the intro. But as always, the show is never about me. It's about who I brought to you today. And they uh, feel themselves relatively new to the scene, but they've been very involved in many projects that have been inside of my relative circles. Uh, I would like to welcome the creator of Heck Priest and many other uh, projects, Derek Rivis.
3: <sighs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, audience. I will always appreciate you.
0: Oh, i like Aww. to thank this, uh,
3: <laughs> i like to thank this Academy Award. Now, thank you. Uh, yes. Hello. Yeah. Come sit on the sofa yeah. with me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, uh, welcome to the, sh- as always, as an open to the show, would you just give a brief introduction of, who you are, how you present yourself to the internet. Make sure to include any plugs or ways to get in touch with you because I would love for people to give you money off the rip in case they can't make it to the end of this show.
3: Yeah, I'm Derek. I am Revenant with the R-E-V-I-N-A-N-T on pretty much every social media, uh, Revenant97 on Twitter. And you can find my itch page at Revenant, same spelled R-E-V-I-N-A-N-T, itch.io where currently my game heck priest is residing in its pits where it belongs festering there. <laughs> and that's, and I also have a card website where I'm attempting to start a blog, but it has been sitting there abandoned. So I need to fix remedy that in a bit at uh ludolich.card.co. So card with two R's and Ludo Lich, L U D O L I C H. That's pretty much where you can reach me on. And I'm on Discord as Revenant on a lot, probably a lot of Discords. Shout out to Brain Trust for trust. <laughs> yep. We're a wonderful community there and Guild RPGs and
0: yeah. all that. Amazing. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, I've also been like. Sometimes I get into a creative writing mode and I have maybe two things on a medium account that has not seen too much action. So I feel you on the blog front. It is just, it's for me, it's It's hard to do a blog. I, I don't, you know, I don't like to put my feelings out there sometimes, get involved in the discourse. Additionally, Derek, would you also sort of walk us through your history with tabletop games in in short or long? We like long answers here on this show. Oh, boy. Well, I have nothing but Uh, long
3: answers, so get ready for that.
0: Yeah. I love it. Hey, we got got 90 minutes to fill, baby. Yeah, would you sort of let us know, A, what got you into the discipline, hobby, however you wanna contextualize it, of tabletop games. Video games are also an inclusion here as well. And what was the first sort of thing that got you into the design space as well?
3: Yeah, so I got to RPGs oh probably like high school, but I didn't actually start playing them till college. In high school I was too broke to buy any of the books. I don't know why D&D is like, let's make every book $50. It's like, okay, cool, I'm broke. So that ain't happening. So it started with like video game YouTubers doing D&D and stuff on actual plays. kind of like when it first started out, I would say. And the first one I ever saw was one of Warhammer 40,000 Dark Heresy, the first edition. And I was like, wow, this this is what an RPG is like. Wow. And I started watching that show as they branched off into... More and more RPGs. The show's no longer around. It's uh, it ended, up, I think, last year. But that kind of started me off. But then in college, I got my first job and everything. And I, some of my friends from high school came with me to college and met met some people who played D and D and knew how it worked and everything. I was like, wow, that's cool, and played a few sessions. I was like, this is really cool, but I wanted to try my hand at DMing. But I didn't want to just do D D because uh, I, I guess from the beginning D D has never quite interested me, which is kind of a good thing. nowadays, I guess it's, it's now hip to hate D i I'm just kidding. It's, it's fine. It's if you love it, it's, <laughs> it's cool. But it's just it's never been my cup of tea. <laughs> It's never been my currency, like, especially 5e. But if you like it, awesome. It's wonderful. But, yeah, so I started my first ever campaign I ran was Warhammer 40,000 Dark Heresy 2nd Edition, which, for a first-time GM, it's kind of like getting thrown into an ocean when you don't know how to swim. You know, it's kind of like, oh, this is a D100 system. It's like, oh, but here's all these different things on, like, what parts of the body you hit here's rules for vehicles, how do you handle horror, and oh yeah, here's this big massive setting that's like 30 or 40 years old with a bunch of lore attached to it, it's so good like explain to any player who's never heard of it before, and I'm like cool, let's go, and it went well, I did two campaigns with that, both them really well my IRL group, which I still play with to this day, it's been doing it for five or six years now, I think and mm. After that, I started branching off into more of the indie kind of thing. So I've done two Blades of Dark campaigns, which my players consider that to be my best campaigns ever ran. And even I agree, because Blades is a fantastic system. And then after I graduated college, I was like, wow, I have more free time now. Maybe I should actually look into getting to this whole design thing, because I have ideas, right? Yeah. And... So last year it was like all right, I want to make a game. But 2020 happened and I was like, okay, let's just focus on making it through the year. Let's just focus on that. We'll put this on the back burner. And then this year rolled around, I was like, okay, it's slightly better. We can we can work with this. And that's I started joining more discords and tried to I was like, okay, I'm going to be more active in these because because otherwise I'm never going to, you know, make connections or get anything done. And I just started following more. I started. I also started being able to actually fund Kickstarters, so which has always been something cool. It's like, oh wow, there is a lot of cool games like Kickstarter that I really like. And there is this joke among my friends where I am the guy who throws money at every Kickstarter they see, but I am actually very particular. Like, I don't, I don't throw any money at a Kickstarter unless I truly think it's something special, which has saved me from getting burned a few times. So. And then, you know, not everyone turns out to be successful, but, you know, it's so far every game I've gotten from Kickstarter, especially anything Adam Vass has made, it has been truly spectacular. Adam Vass is a wonderful designer. Them and Will, you know.
0: Shout out to Adam. Shout out to Adam.
3: He's, they're very wonderful. And yeah, I started an Adam's Necronolis Kickstarter, got me introduced to Brain Trust, and I joined the Discord and got to know all the wonderful people there. And those same kind of wonderful people helped me. Flesh out my ideas and help me get over the humps of, like, oh, this is my first game, it's gonna suck. And they're like, well, yeah, it's gonna, it's not gonna be great, but you know, you gotta get it out there. And I'm like, you're right, I'll just get it out there. And some wonderful people, especially a big shout out to MV on Discord and Twitter. They're a wonderful designer from Belgium. They did the entire layout and editing for Heck Priest for me for free out of the kindness of their heart. So thank you, MV. I owe all the downloads Heck Priest has. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> your, <laughs> I put the words MV made it into something cohesive, and I was like, "This is amazing what you did. And this is wonderful." Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, shout out to MV. Yeah, Woo-woo.
3: big shout out to them, and also to Keegan Exe. They 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 kind of also started. They also kind of helped me get my start by. They were doing. They sent out like a promo for them accepting writers to work on. New classes for their RPG and extremists, which is about, if you don't know what that is, it's really awesome. It's about being necromancers in space, fighting an evil empire of bird people. And honestly, if that doesn't sell you, I don't know what will. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly don't. And they were willing... And they were, and they were like, you can literally anyone could pitch to me. And I had an idea for one of the classes, and I was like, hey, I have this idea. I pitched it to them, and they were like, this is awesome. You're in. And I'm like, wait, really? And so yeah, so at that point, Hecris wasn't even fully written yet, so I didn't have a single game out in my name ever. So that was just like such a big like, wow, you gave me <laughs> a chance. Like, what the heck? <laughs> so. So, yeah, that's. And I still need to write that class. Keegan, if you're listening, I'm almost done. If Keegan, you're not listening, I'm just now starting. <laughs> it depends on if Keegan's listening or not.
0: <laughs> Keegan's a big fan. Oh tries boy. to a I, I, hope, I hope
3: they miss this episode I'm <laughs> just getting started. No, Keegan's been wonderful. They haven't really been pushed to deadline and. I'm still I'm still uh, wrapping my head around how I want to handle the class, but I got a good idea of where I want to go with it. So, hopefully I can get that out there for them to nice. see.
0: And that brings us to today with Heck Priest, yeah?
3: Yeah, Heck Priest. That was honestly in terms of anything I thought would be my first game release, Heck Priest was kind of like the most unlikely one in my opinion for me to get out. Generally, so the way I generally have game ideas is like I'm usually influenced by like a media of the day in my head where like that whole day part of basically like I'll get latched onto a certain piece of media or something that entire day and it basically that's all my brain will think about in that in terms of creativity.
0: Oh, I've totally been there for yeah. sure. I just, I can't. Yeah, that's how
3: go. my brain works. But then, like, the next day will happen, and it's like, eh, I don't really care about it anymore, and I'll latch on something else. So yeah. it's just, that's how it uh. works. And I've learned to just accept it and not try to fight it. But yeah, generally, like, I get an idea about something like, what if it, like, what if you could do this? Or, like, what? If, how would this translate to mechanic? Usually video games. I've been, I'm a huge lover of video games, have been since I was, Small child, so that's never gone away, and it probably won't ever. So, I'm really interested in how video games and tabletop RPGs intersect and like how they can share ideas, like how something that works in tabletop RPGs might work in video games, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I had a lot of ideas, and generally, the one with Heck Priest started out, when I was really into Doom. At the time, especially the new one, Demon Eternal, which came out last year. And mm-hmm. with that, it was like, you're playing as the Space Marine dude who's really cool and is just massacring demons left, right, and center. And I was like, what if you're the demon that somehow survived all that, and now there's a bit of a power vacuum in hell that you now have a chance to fill? Mm-hmm. And I was like, how would this work? And so I just started jotting down ideas, and... I didn't want to write a system, an entire system for it because I was like, this might this is like a really small, I don't want to like put this much time and effort into this when it's just like a small idea ahead of time. And I was looking at systems and right around that time, John Harper, the creator of Blades and Dark, announced that one of his one of their previous games, Lasers and Feelings, was Creative Commons now so basically anyone can now make and sell any content based off Lazer's Feelings and just rip the rules wholesale for it and I was like huh this might work so I read through it you know again Lazer's Feelings if you don't know it's like a very small game that fits on like one page one landscape page of a PDF and just it does a lot it's very story focused and uh, you have like two stats and depending on they're on like opposite sides of the spectrum which I thought was very cool so if like if you're Stat is more towards a higher part of the spectrum. You're leaning more towards f- feelings. I think if I got that right, I could be getting that wrong. But and if it's lower, you tend towards lasers, which means you're more logical and focused. So I was like, huh, I want to try this. So with the heck priest, uh, you're generally assumed to be a human who was decided to be a priest of heck. When yes, I, I get a heck with H E K because. I wanted this to be like kind of harken back to Doom where it's like, it's really violent Mm -hmm. and like dark at times, but it's also very silly and it knows it and it knows how to poke fun at itself and have fun with that. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the aesthetic I wanted to go with it. So it's called heck, you know, it's dark forces of heck. The dark Lord is probably named heck in your game. It might be completely different, but Hey, that's what I ran with. (laughs) And so you're a human who joined the forces of heck to basically attain dark infernal power. And after the murder star Marine, which I always bolded in the game text to show like how powerful they are, basically destroyed like all the leading demons of heck and left you and your other priests alive, whether they didn't think you were too much of a threat or not it is up to you. But I started with that concept of, okay, you're a human, but you're trying to join, you're trying to be more demonic. So you have that kind of like human mentality still. So the two stats are heck and tech, tech spell T-E-K. Again, shout out to Brain Trust for helping me name these stats. They were wonderful. And I was like, wow, this is great. I love it. Heck, heck and tech, heck. yeah. So if you lean more towards heck, then... You know, you veer more towards the demonic, you're better at magic, um, but you're also better at emotional stuff. So you're better at, you know, more, you're more passionate, you're more vocal and you're probably able to convince people better. But if you lean more towards tech, then you're better with machines, human technology. You're also more logical and more. More towards the, you know, again, just the logical side of things, so you're maybe not as good with their emotions as, like, some more towards heck, but, hey, there you go. And basically, the goal of the game is to just, you and your conclave, a priest, try to amass infernal power, have however way, you basically want to try to make your way up the hierarchy, or the heckarchy, as I call it. Again, like (laughs) that does not go away. Like it's, it's prevalent throughout the entire text. Just that I lean into it so much.
0: Driving it. Yeah.
3: And with that, it's basically like, it's kind of like, it's the same like lasers feeling mentality where for people who don't know, it's your crew, your crew members on a spaceship, the captain is wounded and basically you're just trying to get up to space adventures. But you also may have like a goal of your own. And in Heck Priest, I emphasize that with giving... And I got this idea from Nevin Holmes of Indie Bytes, of Gun and Slinger fame. Because they also made a lasers mm-hmm. feeling hack called Skella ITans, where you're skeleton IT workers. But you each have an ulterior motive you're trying to get done secretly without the other players finding out about it. And I was like, this is really cool, and I'm going to use it. And so, like, yeah, you you're all trying to attain power, but you're all also trying to get your own goal achieved, and maybe that involves you backstabbing the other players. That's totally fine, just as long as everyone's cool with it. I
0: first of all, I love the as it, the the so for anyone who doesn't have heck priest, it is three landscape pages, wholesale, full stop. But there is a really good example here of flavor and theme coming through so strongly because you mentioned a little bit you're like i could see how someone could look at this and be like wow they really went in on the heck of the whole thing right but what i also think it does if people come in from that angle like yeah i you know poke at it it's fun like we're playing like a dark horror like demon thing but also like this space ring can show up at any time yeah. if if you roll enough doom, right? But I love like you're establishing the conclave energy there and sort of like the the tables of heck, right? Like the duties, boons, and gloom. um I think that with so few words, you pump a lot of juice into what is the, what is the term? I was thinking about this the other day. Providing narrative support for someone who may not be familiar with this sort of energy right I do I do think that this is a game where like it will attract its audience right like it has that sort of theme like if if there are people out there who like this and they will get it and there are people who will look at this and like don't understand what I'm doing here and that's okay but I think that you give a decent amount of not even hand holding that's not what I want to say it's it's like right you just do a really good job of setting them up like setting them up for success right in terms yeah. of engaging with the intention of story narrative setting of the game
3: yeah so that comes from my preference of you see like i love collecting rpg books in general just because of like you know all the work that goes into it cuz making those books is always no matter how big or no matter how small or bigger a game is it's always going to be I have so, but once you see it in your hands, it's like, wow, you can really appreciate the work that goes into it. And I love reading GM mm-hmm. chapters, especially, just to see like how each game handles that, because it's always different in some way. Like D D, you know, it has all its own book on how to let the DM do things. And so their idea is to, you know, give you a bunch of tables, how a bunch of rules on how to build up encounters and Advice on how to build narrative, and like that works for them. You know that works for like the kind of stuff D and D generally does, which is you know, dungeon crawling, you know, adventures and stuff. But excuse me, and just generally other stuff like that. But something like Blades in the Dark, it's more like okay, you are you are the you are the player's biggest fan. You want them to do things, but you're also there just to kind of play everybody else. So you just be realistic in that regard. And also like, here's some basic information about all the factions in the cities, but you decide how you want to, how you want to do with that. And I love that where the game gives the GM just enough to get started. where like a few sentences here or there where it's like, here's how this works, or this is the basic concept of the world other than that, you can decide how everything else goes. So that's how I went about with heck priest where it's like, you know, my version of heck and then the human world and how it all works could be very different from someone else doing it. And that's totally fine. Like that's how I envision it. But the general idea I wanted to get across is like, look, it's a dark universe where demons are invading the human world in the far future. of, And, you know, there's demons running amok, you know, there's soul rituals and, you know, blood sacrifices and, you know, stuff you would find on like black metal album covers and all that. But it's also silly because, you know, like literally like when you're establishing your conclave, your group, you can choose like two strengths that your conclave possesses. So two things that your any player in the group can call upon. And so it could be like an unholy artifact or at the very end, like one of the things is just lots of imps. You just have a lot of imps just Mm -hmm. everywhere causing chaos. And it's just perfect.
0: Infinite imps.
3: Infinite imps. And one of the boons, which like you get at the end of the session, if you want to keep it going is you get even more imps one, but now they appear just whenever you want to. So, you know, you can open a bathroom door and if you need an imp there, there's just an imp there ready, ready to go. (laughs) So it's
0: Yeah, I wanted to Oh go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. I
3: was just I just want to say so it's it's like balancing the line between like dark metal, you know, doom Doom, but also just silly, campy stuff like Evil Dead, like the later Evil Dead films.
0: Yeah. I was gonna you mentioned that if you want to keep it going, I was gonna ask you, is this a game sort of more designed for one shot of play? Do you envision that it like what was your intention of design? Is this something that, like, if everyone's not feeling their, you know, D&D session this evening, but they still want to play something, do they pull us out and, like, we'll play this tonight? Or is this, like, two or three games or something like that? Like, what was sort of the length of play principle behind?
3: Yeah, design? so Lasers of Feelings, originally, I feel like it was meant way more for one-shots, because there's not really any rules for the game of, uh, continuing past that first session where it's like, there's no rules for progression or anything. Mm -hmm. So with heck Priest, I kind of want to follow the same mentality, but also give the game rules for boons, for example. So, you know, every time you get a boon, you know, every time you complete a session, you know, everyone gets a boon, but if you complete your secret goal, then you get another boon on top of that. But that's just you, the player Them like, no one else gets a second boon unless they also complete their own secret goal. And mm-hmm. with that, I—that's kind of like the basis. And I told, and basically, I stayed in the game text. Like the goal for the players is to be ascend to become the top of the food chain, basically in heck. So whether they get that done in one session or four is entirely up to you know the table and the GM. So if They decide, like, oh, I want them to go through a journey to do this. It's like, cool, there's, like, a lot in the game to get you started. You know, there's, like, at least six missions you can do. And if you want want to make your own, go for it. Like, just do what I did. You know, basically (laughs) just look at the game text and see how I did it. Because the duties, which is basically like, oh, here's, like, a session goal, which I got from Lasers and Feelings is really just, like, two or three sentences a piece, but it gives you so much to start. Like, you can build off of that in so many different ways, so... Mm-hmm. That's just kind of, like, how I did it. So, if, for instance, you're trying to steal a mech from a human research lab, you know, maybe that's, like, maybe the mech has functioning rockets you could take control over at any point, or maybe the <laughs> research base is orbiting, so you can try to crash it into the planet below if you want to. Like, I, did, I, I give them... I give people a lot of room to just do what they like. I give them a goal and that's generally how I approach GMing where mm-hmm. I get the players of what they're trying to achieve. Like you're trying to figure out what happened to this dude's family when they went, got lost in the woods, but I leave it up to them how they want to do that. So it's like, how, like, how do you figure that out? So I don't, yeah. I try not to Present
0: sketch the out the opportunity outside.
3: or problem. Yeah. I draw bread, yeah, I draw breadcrumbs here and there of, like, whether they're on the right track or not. Like, yeah, you find out about this. But I generally let them decide how to go about a problem. And that's just how I always approach it. And that's how I approach it in writing, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I hate, like, I hate railroading. unless I, it's... I love it. I think. No, go ahead.
0: Oh, I, I was going to say I love it. And you were saying something about railroading, which I think I, I want to riff on too, but go ahead and finish your thought. I think there's a like a maybe a three or four second delay between the two of us. So oh, I'll yeah, try no. to be more apt to fill in the dead space.
3: No, you're fine. Okay. So yeah, with railroading, I hate railroading. I hate feeling like I'm being led on a trail and there's nothing I can do to break it. And the GM, if I feel like I'm wandering too far, the GM will push me back onto it, whether I want to or not. It grants, but I, I do like them when they're trying to tell a story and like the GM is willing to let me have some breathing room to kind of do my own thing, but still stay within that confines of the story. Like, like I'm willing to work with a GM, you know, it's like a two way street, you know, it's like, don't lead me onto something I don't want to do. And also I will help you try to tell the story you want to tell. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think it's one of those things where that's like a session zero, sort of like, do you want me to guide you or do you want to explore, right? Yeah. Like, am I taking input or am I giving output? And I find that all like, you know, that's a whole nother podcast of talking about the intricacies and nuances of uh, table communication, Right. right. Should totally do a blog article. But, yeah, I think I think if I had to go to, like, my favorite piece of, of what's happening here in Heck Priest, I like the, specifically, like, the time pacing of the Doom Counter, even though it happens on, like, a six on the dice, which, as always, everyone, you know, go see if you can pick up a copy of Heck Priest. You know, we don't dive super hard into, like, each and every specific paragraph on the paper, but, you know... Derek deserves a little bit of money for the work they put in. Or if it, you so. just want to
3: download it, I mean, it's pay what you want. Like I didn't want to put a price true, on my first game. True. Cause I was like, I'll just kind of just watch. But also if you do want to give money to it, you have to pay $6 and six, six cents. That's kind of the unwritten rule. You know, that's, you know, that's the perfect yeah. number for this game. So I'm totally joking. You you can pay whatever you want. If you don't want to pay, if you just want to play it and run it, go for it. It's totally fine. Hey, I push. I push for the dollars. I push for the dollars. I'll so let you guys. push for me. Uh, you, I, <laughs> I, I will, You bear <laughs> the guilt. Like I'll be guilty. I'll feel guilty. But you do it for me. I won't feel as guilty. then. I love the Doom
0: Die and I love bringing in the Murder Star Marine. Right, like I. What I like yeah. about that piece of tech is the is the clock of it. Right, it's like. He is coming regardless, like whether that is now or whether that's in six dice rolls, you will be seeing. And I also love that you like, I like the sort of lean into of like, this guy can't be stopped. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you're not, you're not killing him. It's not, it's not a possibility. I didn't write it into the game that way. If someone wants to add that in, I'm sure they will do that. But I don't know. I think it's cool. I think it's like this. What is it? It just makes it feel, it brings that horror element to the game a little bit in reverse, yeah. right? You're the demons. This is just a dude in a hyper, like, Magitek suit. And he's got every uh, gun
3: known to man and demon and his arsenal. Every
0: crazy ass gun, apps, chainsaws. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I like that it, yeah, it's sort of like this Dark Soulsian. Is that a, is that a term? Oh, it's a term of? now. Dark Soulsian. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free to have that for your, for your blogs, everyone. Uh, yeah, has sort of like this Dark Soulsian, like, this boss is too hard, and, like, we stepped into the wrong area sort of thing, which I like about Dark Souls, but it's also like this thing that you, like, have to play with, right? I think one of the shortcomings of D&D is that the second you give something HP, it is defeatable, and you'll be surprised about how quickly it can be defeated when you have six
3: players at the oh, yeah, table. I don't know. Trust me. I, yeah. I know that personally.
0: <laughs> I think every DM knows that personally. Yeah. God, And then you ramp it up so hard that you just, like, oh, it's a total party kill if I keep going in the direction that I'm going. Look at going. this boss I spent.
3: Rest in peace. Look bro. at this boss I spent five hours deciding. Oh, you killed in two turns. Cool. It's- you're just sad. You're just uh, sad afterwards. You're like, oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's why I'm always a fan of flat damage. Yeah, so I can truly know. But yeah, I like the pacing sort of tech here of that. It, it's a. Uh, it's almost like a GM intrusion tool, just on like a clock, yeah. right? It's like it. It is coming, and you will. Ha- you will have to play with the the setting right i think i think what is nice about this is it gets the setting involved in a way that you could maybe ignore if this didn't exist right like not ignore yeah. right? but i think it it causes you to kind of like be pulled back into the inspiration of this right which is which is doom in in some aspects yeah so. I think that's very cool. Very cool. Yeah.
3: So actually it's funny. You keep mentioning clock. Cause originally when I was writing it, it was a clock. It was like a six segment clock and same for gloom where every time anyone rolled a six on the die, the segment got filled. So if you got like three sixes, that's like three segments filled immediately. But after talking mm. to MV, cause I let them look at the document early before they were editing. Cause I wanted their advice on things. So they're like, you know, you should make it a die. Cause you know, just to kind of put more tension on it, but also it's variable how when the marine shows up because it's entirely possible, you know, that no sixes are rolled in that entire session, so you know they will never show up. So hmm. with that, it was just kind of like I really like that aspect, and also like when the Merstar Marine does show up, I don't tell the player, I don't tell the GM or the player specifically. Oh, they're like right behind you. No, it's like, no, they show up in the area you're in. So you still have some time, but now there's mm-hmm. like, you know, there's like an unstoppable creature coming for you and there's, and you better, and you <laughs> cannot stop, you cannot fight it. Like if you try, you will be destroyed. And I like the, I love a Doom the power fantasy of it, where it's like you're taking on the force of hell and you're doing it pretty handily in a lot of different ways. So yeah, and it's been at Priest, It's like yeah, no, uh, they're the power fantasy. You're the you're the victim of it. You're on the opposite side of that. So so yeah, it's horror in that regard. But it's also be Like I like I love horror, mm-hmm. but I don't like a lot of horror movies because I feel like they always just go scary, 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 scary. Like no room for breathers. Like you have to have, in my opinion, you have to have some humor or breathers to kind of like let the audience Mm -hmm. and the table relax a little bit before throwing them back into it. And you know, like I also love, like I also, as someone who's done like some horror, like one shots or put horror in their campaigns, I, I, like it's often my experience where my players will be absolutely terrified of like their characters will be terrified or they'll be terrified of something happening in the game. But they're but in real life they're laughing at just how like ridiculous everything's <laughs> happening. So So I like I, I love leaning into that where it's like, you know, it's like you gotta balance it just right if you want to do it. And you know, Hecriest is not necessarily I didn't I don't think of it as a horror game necessarily, but it has definitely got that aspect of, oh, you're being chased by something that is literally unstoppable, and it will destroy you if you yeah. get caught, so try not to get caught.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, and that's, you know, for me, I think that's one, of, I, I also like horror. I'm listening to a lot of Magnus Archives. So oh, Magnus Archives, so good, Magnus Magnus Archive.
3: Archive. I started listening to that.
0: So good. I just finished season one. I'm on... I just went into season two. What? Well, i You're. Have you listened to all of Magnus? I'm not. Time? I'm probably like,
3: ooh, maybe like fifteen episodes in. I haven't listened to it in a hot second, so I need to get back on that. But
0: sure. Quick, quick segue though. I'm always interested. Like, what what episodes like kind of freak you out? Spoilers for Magnus yeah, spoiler. Archive, I suppose. If you're, um, yeah. I'm always interested because different episodes freak like free people out right like I, yeah. I, I think that's very fascinating I always
3: like how there's a bit of a twist at the end where the archivist yeah. is or Jonathan Sims is like oh but this was never actually written or this was actually written by them I say one of the freakiest ones was the one where it's the it's the daughter of a guy who in the news, was convicted as a serial killer because he kept killing people. Oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but throughout the story, you know, it seems like oh, he's killing like monsters disguised as people through like a ritual, and mm-hmm. if he didn't do this, mm-hmm. worse stuff would happen to people. And I think another one of my favorites is Ooh. the World War One episode with the yeah. pipe. Yeah, yeah the like, pipe. Right. The, just a description of that piper gave me chills, yeah. but I envisioned it so well and I love it and I was like I was like so is this like a war god or something because this is just awesome. Yeah. Like that's really cool like Yeah. I also like just kind of like war story like I like war movies and stuff. I come from like mm. a military family and stuff, so you know, I kind of like grew mm-hmm. up with that. And I like exploring those different aspects like the horror of war like like, you know, like, war is pretty terrifying, so, you know, to just exploring that aspect, like, I feel like games in general should do that more, like, if we don't really see a lot, we see a lot of war games, you know, like, you know, it's like, first-versus-shooters and all that, but we don't see a lot of games where it's like, yeah, no, this is a horror game, but it's set during a war, so, you know, good luck with that. I think there's one, I think I remember a trailer for, there's someone's making a video game where it's a World War One horror game and i was like this is really cool and i don't know if that's out i should really look into that but yeah this is kind of like i just love horror i love horror that does it well like i i I hate Mm -hmm. cheap cheap jump scares like i hate jump scares that don't aren't earned like if you if a movie just throws a jump scare at me out of nowhere like i feel like you haven't it. it's like you need to build up to it
0: yeah, it's about the the tension versus the exactly. adrenaline, right. I think a lot of those like jumps jump scare things, are like the adrenaline rush of horror, where I like the more of like I don't want to say thriller because I think thriller is kind of its own energy as well. But I love like even monster movies that just have a good tension yeah. about them. Like they kind of like strap you into the roller coaster, and then it's like slow, 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 moving a little faster, dip, quick dive, slow, 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 like. But never, like, lets you off the ride the whole way, right? I think is what yeah. I'm saying. Like, there definitely is, like, a slowdown of pacing, but it doesn't let you off. And I think those are, like, the really good Yeah, ones so
3: what the game... The, the thing that got me into horror was the, the video game PT, which was the teaser for, for Silent Hills, which sadly got canceled. So much potential. Uh-huh. But... That game did so well. Like I I've never personally played it. I only watched a YouTube playthrough of it. I watched it mm-hmm. in the morning with the lights on, and I still felt terrified. And I looked into my dark kitchen. I thought I saw something there, and that scared me. And I was like, and that game only really has like two or three jump scares in it max. And and then it's like 40 years mm-hmm. or 40 to an hour-long playthrough. The rest of it is just tension and just psychological and just leading the player on into thinking something's going to happen. And when it doesn't, they, they just get even more tense and frightened. And, and I love Silent Hill series in general, because Silent Hill generally doesn't do jump scares a whole lot. It's, it relies more on that psychological aspect, which I really love.
0: Yeah. I, there's a great example of like, again, more spoils for Magnus Archive, <laughs> I suppose, but there is oh do I talk about this? No, I don't think you've I don't think you've heard about. It. Have you is I don't know if the episode Killing Floor is within the 15 I you've don't watched
3: think so. I'm not sure. What
0: With, without giving too much away, the other thing I appreciate about like how Magnus Archive does horror is that it also is very aware. So for anyone who doesn't know Magnus Archive, like sort of starts out as like cryptid tales and urban legends and also explores like phobias and stuff like that. And different like monster of the week style episodes with like sort of a loose main thread that starts to come to fruition later in the series. But there is an episode that does like has an event where you are making an assumption about what will happen. This guy works in like a meat factory and he gets a little lost. And at one point he's really freaking out and he walks through a door and he ends up on the conveyor belt for shuffling the cattle to a direction you're like oh god are all these like imaginary ghost cattle gonna run him over on the conveyor belt and he's gonna be and then no like he just walks right back out he like he says it too. the 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 statement is like i was i was waiting for the herd of cattle to come through and push me down the conveyor belt to my end and then i just left and they weren't there and I, just, I found that very fascinating because in that moment I'm like, Oh God, that's exactly what's going to happen. And then, and then it doesn't, but now I'm like, w- like, what do you, what do I do with this? Like preconceived tension, right? Yeah. I'm still carrying it with me as the episode's <laughs> continuing. So I find it very fascinating.
3: I think exact good horror and really just kind of like a lot of good media will subvert their audience's expectations into something they think is going to happen. But then it's like, no, this happened. No, if something else happened. And it's smart the way it does. Like, but like, if you were real life, like, if you were, like, in that situation, you know, I would walk out. So, it's like, yeah, I just left. It's like, oh, well, yeah, you just left. Like, yeah, who wouldn't do that, you know? So, it, like, it makes mm-hmm. sense. You know, it's like, you want to subvert, but then, like, in the hindsight, they're like, oh, yeah, that does make sense. Like, why wouldn't you do that? So, yeah. yeah. So, that's, like, again, kind of, like, that fine balance you have to hit and When you do, it's Mm -hmm, perfect. mm -hmm. Well,
0: enough, you know, super spoilers for Magnus Archive, (laughs) talk about horror. Heckbreece is a great example of putting together... It's just, it's very cool to see games that are, you know, again, like I said, this is three landscape pages that really have a lot going on in terms of the thoroughness of setting the proper like narrative prompting and also getting to a space where like you can uh really feel the pacing of the game like catching up with you on sort of like an auto clock system right when we talk about the doom die and i think it's a triumph Derek.
3: Thank you very much. Especially, like, it's my first game, like, ever fully written out to 100% completion, it's, like, actually, like, out there. Yeah. Yay! Yay.
0: Like I said, this brings us into the sort of just conjecture lightning round episode or section of the episode. The first little bit is trends, right? And so what I usually ask of my guests or also topics, right? I've been lately opening up the floor to topics that guests want to bring to the show and talk about because I want this to start shaping into a forum for people to express themselves in our industry and have some ideas floating around out there. So... Right. Are there any trends or topics that you have been seeing in your social circles, discord, Twitter's personal messages that you keep seeing or keep blipping on your radar? Like, Ooh, everyone's like kind of talking about this. Are there any discourses that you think that you have an opinion on? And and I don't mean that as like a dunking contest. Right. But I think it is important to explore sort of people's different angles on things, doing our best to keep it uh, constructive, right? And then, but it's important to hear about it. And, or are there any topics or trends within yourself that you want to speak out into the ether to allow any of our listeners to run away with?
3: Yeah, so I think like kind of the trend that I really like seeing, and I'm also like part of that trend too is, how much more open every creator is being about making their mechanics stuff open to use, like open license and everything. Because that's kind of like, like, you know, uh, a lot of creators, I feel, you know, like Vincent Baker, when Vincent and Megui Baker, when they started Apocalypse World, which is kind of like the... You know, not necessarily the first, but, like, the big one in everyone's mind of, like, the indie RPG, where it's, like, use whatever you want, and it started, like, its own movement mm-hmm. in the industry. But it was also still kind of, like, to me, like, kind of inaccessible in a way. Not 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 to, like, bash on them, like, no, they did a wonderful sis, but it's still, like, to someone just starting out, it seems like a lot where it's like, oh, here's playbooks, here's moves, here's what the GM can do, and all this, and all this other things. And with that, it's just like, you know, when you're first starting out, you don't think about the context of how all these moves fit together or why they wrote it the way they do. To where, like, nowadays, you know, like, designers are coming out with system, agno- with setting agnostic systems, like, you know, of. Uh, A good example is uh, Viditti Violetti, which I probably butchered their name, and I'm so sorry. But um, they came out with a... This goblin has a gun, I Mm -hmm. believe it's called, where it's a tech pack, where it's a GM-less opposing dice system where you build up dice pools to try to beat the opposing dice pool. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, there's no setting, there's no narrative information. It's just like, here's the system, use it however you want, Make your own setting, make build upon it. You know, maybe maybe your game will have a GM in it. If so cool! But just run with it. And I really like that, and I love that we're going into it because also it encourages people coming from a non RPG background. Like you know, someone like me who came from like video games originally and came into it. Where it's like you know, some people who haven't been playing tabletop RPGs for you know years or decades to then to come in and be like. Oh, I really like this media, or it's like I like this game. I want to make that into a tabletop RPG, and they could just look at all these games that have come out on all these systems, and basically pick one off the shelf. It's like this would work perfect for it, and they tweak it how they need it to be, and they playtest it and tweak it some more, and then they come out with it. And I think with the, and I think honestly, like the perfect timing of the Avatar: Less Airbender Kickstarter, mm-hmm. like that's just like a perfect example of that where it's like it's a licensed it's an official licensed product using an indie rpg system you know like when i first heard about that kickstarter my first thought was oh god it's trying to do 5e it's trying to make avatar 5e or something i was like it's trying to make a a popular system which may not be the best fit for it work but no i was very surprised that was powered by the apocalypse and i was like wow this is this is amazing. And it's like, oh, people of color are making this? Wow, this is even better. And I think it's awesome that we're starting to see that where the big dogs of the industry aren't getting these big licenses mm-hmm. anymore. Like now, like a small dedicated team who've proven themselves can handle these licenses really well and arguably better than some of these top dogs in the industry. That's amazing. And I hope we see more of it, because, you know, <clears throat> you know, we, you know, for years, you know, I've seen like a lot of licenses for, you know, a lot of like unlicensed, like fan projects of like different media, like the halo RPG or the destiny. I've seen like three different versions of a destiny mm-hmm. tip. RPG. And then I found Spencer's light and I was like, well, Spencer just did it way better. <laughs> I was like, sorry guys, Spencer just like nailed it out of the ballpark with that. Now Spencer made that an entire system lumen. And now like, I'm pretty sure every time I see a lumen project, <clears throat> a Lumen Project in Spencer's Discord, the Could you start the Discord, shout out to them too, mm-hmm. by the way. Nine mm-hmm. times out of ten, it's usually based off an existing media like right? and most of the time it's a video game, but sometimes it's mm-hmm. a movie. But a lot of times it's just someone taking their like favorite video game and just making a Lumen game out of it. And I just think that's so cool.
0: Yeah, I really, it's almost like, I would be really interested to see this sort of like tech pack movement, license movement, really become like, the best analogy I can come to is like Legos, right? You buy your first Lego set, it is a island adventure, like Indiana Jones bullshit right And maybe like a couple weeks later you like man i really like legos I I like i doing this like engineer architecture ish and you go get like a star wars one right and this is analogizing towards systems right like different pieces of systems like cool i'll use these pieces from indiana jones and these pieces from star wars and i'll build this stuff Right. And as your collection sort of grows, I think this is also maybe a good analogy for like how learning works, but you know, someone challenged me on that. Yeah. Uh, but I would, fi- I would find it really interesting to find like this cobble together, piecemeal tech movement or like, like I would love to see, I think in brain trust tech jam, adam vast did the 2d6 that that really explores like all the different ways you can cut slice and and use 2d6 and doesn't even really go into like the full depths of probability and uh, affordances and manipulation of odds for those things but i would like to start seeing stuff like that like how can you truly like push the d20 in every direction right instead of just a roll over or roll under system how can you use like the percentages or probabilities of other dice, how do you use playing cards, how do you use tarot cards, and not just like in storytelling facets, but are there like mechanical implications? Well, I guess those are mechanics. It's uh, shoot, shoot me in the foot or something like that. But, you know, I haven't seen a tactical tarot card game yet, and I'm like, I'm trying to make that happen.
3: Uh, me, uh, yeah. That's, that's
0: yeah. A how, who, it's like, how does that because happen? How do we make that work? I will make it work. One of these days. TM (laughs) Soon TM, Blizzard. Oh, God, Blizzard, no.
3: Soon TM. Yeah. Oh, no.
0: Wipe it from my mouth. Wipe it from my mind. I'm poisoned. Yes, to full circle it. Yeah, as you're saying, I really also am enjoying this, like, openness to share, right? I think that's a big part of it is that a lot of people are willing to share their knowledge. And on the other end of the spectrum, and this is just me being sort of tire kicker for people who do non-licensing stuff like i get intellectual property but you know some people get really freaked out about like copying a table or copying like yeah just like words on a table is like a good example it's like hey when you make your character choose from these adjectives and you're like oh i want to do like something with the system but i don't want to copy these adjectives even though they're really good and someone put a lot of work into like constructing this table i'm like i get that but like do they own the word saucy you know what I mean
3: like yeah like, no, I know where is the
0: line drawn for like how do we engage with who owns language <laughs> on some aspects and I think people get a little riled up can people can get a little riled up about like I want to protect my my D my D36 table and it's like it is I. If I make the same thing in Excel, like is it yours? Like, y- like it's just this single yeah. word. Yeah, it's. I think. I think it's just. I love the thought of sharing, but I also love the thought of like you don't. There are certain extents where I don't feel like you need a license or someone's permission to also use something from their game that is like hard yeah, exactly. intellectual property, right? So. I love, yes, love licensing, but also B, I don't want people to feel like licensing needs to happen before they can be inspired by other work.
3: Yeah, definitely. And that was, like, also my fear going in was, like, oh, I don't want to step on it. I was like, what if someone already did that? And, you know, it's, oh, and I've learned, and thanks to so much shouting from BT, not shouting, but, you know, a lot of people in BT and other servers tell me, like, it's okay to do something similar because... No matter what happens at the end of the day, it's in your own voice. And that's always going to be different to what mm-hmm. anyone else is making. And one of my current games is, one of the current games I'm working on is is fairly popular now. It's starting to get very popular recently. Like this whole, the kind of like aesthetic and genre, I guess, of what I'm trying to do. But I'm doing it in my own way. And it's like very different from what other people are trying to do.
0: Derek, are you trying to keep it secret?
3: <laughs> oh maybe, maybe well i mean i can talk you don't about it this to might not, not be it. the right segment for it, you don't but, to, it it's good it, it's like, good you
0: don't have to talk about it. you made it you made it sound like that is a thing
3: i want to talk about it it's just like i don't know if this is the right segment for it you know it's like because i do have like some projects i'd like to talk this about this is free
0: flowing go ahead chat about it that's yeah. fair. what's right. the what's the yeah, genre so... you're trying to emulate is i've also been seeing jay dragon sort of write an article up about
3: it so yeah, it's not necessarily a genre. It's like I like. It's hard to pinpoint, but like, so I love. I've recently gotten to OSR mm-hmm. stuff, and I love Morkboard. That's the first OSR game I ever played and ran, and it's just so good. And I was like, I like OSR like, but I want to see like what OSR would be like for different genres, not just fantasy and like low sure. fantasy. And I was like. Like, well, what kind of approaches that kind of same lethality? And I really love the Stalker series and the Metro series of like people in hazmat suits going to like nuclear radiated zones, finding like weird stuff and trying to come back out with it. And I'm like, that's basically OSR because it's very highly lethal. Like, you go in there, you're more often going to like reload a checkpoint because you just keep dying to things happening. And if you're not smart and careful, then you're going to mm-hmm. die. And it's just, so I'm kind of working on like an OSR stalker thing where it's like very lethal, but there's all sorts of weird things. And if you manage to make it out alive, you will have a lot of good stuff in it and you just keep getting stronger, and stronger until eventually you're a seasoned veteran who knows how the zone mm-hmm. works. And also like defaulting, I'm not saying I'm setting it in the Southern U S so I'm taking, I'm not doing it in like Russia or country because with this, I'm sticking with what I yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, yeah, like Apple. What would the Appalachian Mountains be like if it was irradiated and there was like weird stuff happening all the time as if we stuff, stuff?
0: Yeah, right. Exactly.
3: <laughs> what if there were actual skin crawlers running around? Like, uh, oh, uh, shout
0: out to Old Gods of Appalachia audio drama. Great
3: idea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're, those guys are actually not far from it, <gasps> I think they're really only like. Their office is like maybe, or if they have an office, like I think only a few of the riders are like two hours away okay. from me. So I'm actually in that same region. Yeah. Wow. So Chill. I grew up in the Appalachian region originally, like near that region. So I kind of know like that whole culture and what it's like. Mm-hmm. So old gods of Appalachia. Like yeah, seeing it take into like an eldritch horror thing, I was like, "Oh, this is really cool." Is yeah, love it.
0: Yeah, I yeah, it sounds like OSR with like so, kind of a science fiction push on it in a way, yeah. and I think that's very interesting, especially like like you talk about like sort of like nuclear radioactive things, are, like highly lethal. And that, what a great way to like recontextualize the dangers of coming from the fantasy space, right? Because I think all All the, per my uh, limited information on OSR, really the nuts and bolts of it are procedures and conversation, right? Like, we have to come to an agreement about, like, what the next move is here, and then we follow the procedures of the game to execute the, the best way to come to terms with that conversation right and so it's more about like especially on gm stance it's more about like creating a. this is per ava ava islam who is a great osr head and has been very influential to ava my so education good. so shout out to ava but yeah it's it's like you're constructing a puzzle box right a dungeon is a puzzle box and all regardless of what your solution is you just have to get in there and get out. Like that's the, that's the handshake yeah. we do at the table. This Definitely. is what I'm doing. This is what you have to do. Feel free to bring a drill to the problem if you want to. Right. What kind
3: of started this project was I read crisp is another wonderful designer who also does OSR stuff, especially with more and Troika was they were doing, they were, they do like Twitter threads where they read through a book and, actively tweet about like what they think about these mechanics and everything. And they just recently did mouse Ritter, Mm. which is OSR, but you're a small mouse in a big world full of like cats. And like a cat is basically like a monster that you would need like a war band Mm. to fight. And I'm like, that's really cool. And one of the guiding principles in mouse Ritter that the authors wrote out was the dice are dangerous. Roll as little as you can, like come up with like, like it encourages players. Like, look, Rolling dice, it's literally you're rolling the dice. You could fail very easily. So the less you have to do it, the better. So it encourages the players to be smart. So it's like if they can lure the big monster into a trap and neutralize it, then hey, and they don't have to roll for it, then hey, that works. Mm -hmm. You know, that's perfect. And so that's kind of another, the mentality I'm approaching with this SR Stalker game is also like. Like, look, you have tools at your disposal that helps you find dangers out. So rather than trying to roll to see if you can just fumble your way through it, you know, you think about it tactically, you know, think about it smartly, smart, mm-hmm. I guess. And also another thing is like with OSR, is like, it's a lot of like theater of the mm-hmm. mind until like it comes to combat yeah. at least, but a lot like the hex crawl, like the he- I love hex crawls, but... I wanted to take a different approach with the zone where it's like, Oh, once you fully map out a place, it kind of loses its mystery and it's magic. So with the zone, I'm toying with ideas of like, it's a hex crawl, but the players roll a die, roll the dice to determine what the next hex they're going to is. And that determines like, whether it's like, Oh, it's a bandit camp or, Oh, it's a human settlement or, Oh, it's a nest full of creatures or, Oh, it's an abandoned building. We could search for possible treasures and stuff. And the to kind of accentuate how weird the zone is, is every time the players leave, all those hexes get wiped off. Like I, it's like a blank slate map again when they come mm-hmm. back. Except for whatever the GM places. Like if the GM's like, okay, you have a job to go to these ruins, here's where it's at on the hex map. But how you get there, what you encounter along the way, that's that's up to you guys and how the dice feel. But if the players want to No, sorry. go ahead, go ahead. And but I also put in a make and thanks to again MV and Nevin who've been looking at this document and like giving me ideas and helping me is the idea of if players wanted to, they could spend like half a day, which is valuable. You know, that's time, right? The longer you're in the zone, the work the more likely something wrong's gonna happen. But if they want to spend time completely mapping out an entire hex, like charting it out and surveying all of the routes possible then that hex is permanent and stays on the map. So it's that player agency of you can just decide not to map out the zone it every time, you know, it's always going to be something new or you can identify, you know, possible safe locations or places where there is treasure there, but you can't get to it just yet. If you go back a second time, maybe it'll be there, but you don't want to lose it. Then you can map it out and it will stay there permanently on the map. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the things I'm talking about that I'm currently working on it to where I can, get a really rough play test mm-hmm. of it start it, and then go from there. But yeah, that's just kind of like one of the things like I'm really like an OSR and I'm like really kind of exploring like what's possible and adding a little bit of like procedural generation mm-hmm. to it in a way, mm-hmm. I guess.
0: Yeah. Some of that Diablo three energy, right? Rift, rift walking Two two things came to mind when you were talking about a, a couple of things. One, when you were talking about mouse Ritter and how like, rolling dice is not is not good, not a good option. I think it would be interesting to see a game like that that plays with I I recently went to the wiki called the RPG Museum or Museum RPG. It's like a wiki that has a bunch of like terms and vocabulary for game design stuff, but I was looking at the resolution side page and it has like There are three outcomes, but only two come to mind right now. One is uh, randomly generated outcomes, dice and things like that, and deterministic outcomes, which are like playing cards, like if you have hands and stuff like that, or even still like even a random deck, as long as you don't reshuffle, it can have deterministic odds. And I would find it interesting to see sort of a play up of... Having the conversation with playing cards, like having determined procedures, and then like when things get hairy, like when you have an I don't know situation, or I don't know how bad it's going to be, you sort of roll the dice on that. So I would find that interesting. And then on the like hex crawl lore basis, I remember reading somewhere uh, someone else was like making a hex crawl thing for like their d d game, but... They, there was a, uh, a lord or a giant underneath the earth, and basically they would pull down landforms and push up new ones. Like they would be taking away landforms and pushing up new ones, and that was like the setting reasoning for new hexes popping up in the same location. So I found that very interesting as well.
3: Yeah, I think that also brought to mind Adam Vass and Will. We're talking about... Talk about this game a lot on Brain Trust, where they're making like a a Fallout game where it's like you know everyone takes control of a different character, but the characters may change hands a lot. Like a player might play something completely different next mm-hmm. session, but it's a hex crawl and like it's quantum, so you know like the hex could be completely different the next time you go there. And like that's definitely like that's also something I really hope they flesh out and like release at some point where they do a Kickstarter or what. But it's something I really look forward to them saying, but yeah, definitely just like that kind of randomness to it. Like I also, I remember I wrote an idea, like it was based off fiasco where it's like, you're trying to pull like a caper or con, but you have like two mechanics. One's like the conversation where you try to steer everything into your favor but the actual resolution mechanic is a coin flip. And there's no way to influence the coin flip. Like, you could flip the coin or you could roll like a 1d2, but like there's no way to boost that. There's no way to affect the. There's no way to modify it. It's a 50 50 shot. So you want to try to f- flip the coin as little as possible. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I, I'm excited for that. I would love to see a science fantasy OSR. I. I'm sure one exists out there, or even science fiction, not necessarily science fantasy, but I'm yeah. sure there's one out there, hasn't come across my eyes, and I read quite a few games over the course of a month. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited for that endeavor. Please uh, keep us updated on that for sure. we Will do. I want to move us into, because we're getting close to the 90-minute mark, I want to move us into, you sort of want to talk about your experience in getting involved, and you kind of hinted at it a bit before earlier in the show about mm-hmm. how you were getting involved in more discords and things. And you just want to talk about that a little bit. So I'm willing to let you talk about it for a little bit. Yeah. Um, no problem. Yeah, why don't you, why don't you give us your experience after the fact, like after like what were some things that you found yourself doing or what were some things that you were looking for when you were trying to find find ways to keep yourself accountable for creation and also f- finding the give and take of helping people with their projects, but also uh, soliciting help for yours.
3: Yeah. So with that, like it all comes down to like networking, you know, like it was not like taught in school, like, you know, real life career stuff. It's like you got to network. And that honestly is true for our industry. Cause like, you can't just live in a bubble because otherwise any game you come out with, it's probably not going to be its best. You know, it's going to be like insular and like, you know, kind of gatekeeping in some way, you know, we're like, we're, we're we're moving away from that. We're moving towards like more open, like, you know, there's not like a Gary Gygax lording over everybody. Who's like, I am the superior designer. You know, you should come to me for any advice, but my advice is very fickle and I give it out very, very infrequently to more of like you know i have conversations with jay dragon where you know like you know they're making a name for themselves very quickly with wander home and all these other games but also like i see jay and servers just talking to people and just be like yeah this is really cool i like it and you know just that kind of like we're kind of breaking down that barrier of big designers and small designers and small designers not wanting to bother the big designers, but the big designers are always happy to talk about everything they're working on, how they approach things. So that's kind of like how I got my start was just talking to a lot of these people who have like multiple games under their belts and just being like, how would you approach this? Or like, how do you write this? And just asking them, they give me the answers and I kind of process through all that. And I approach it my own way. And at the same time, you know, it's like whenever someone's like, how do I approach this mechanic? I give my own opinion on it. It's like, well, this is what I think. You could take it with a grain of salt, but like, this is what I think. And a lot of times, and some, and quite a few times I've had people be like, that's awesome. I love that. I'm like, well, hmm. thanks. And so, yeah, it's a definitely a give and take where it's like, you know, it's totally okay if you just keep asking for advice, but you're quiet and kind like, that's. I, I don't see a problem with that. Like, you know, maybe you're not socially active until unless you have like a big idea, like, you know, I have to post numerous Discord There so was the same idea where it's just to get different people's perspectives mm-hmm, on it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no discords were kind of like how I started was cause it was like, I joined break and there was a channels for talking about ideas. So I was just like, well, I tend to have a lot of throwaway ideas where it's like, I'll think about something for a few minutes, but I won't, necessarily be attached to it. I won't grow close to it. So if, you know, so it's like, if someone could do something with it, then I'll throw it out there and be like, Oh, Hey guys, I think I just thought about this. This would be cool. if Someone did this. And, you know, it, you know, I've, i yet to hear of anybody who's actually taken one of my ideas and ran with it. So if someone has, Hey, feel free to tell me that's always a nice boost to my, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could use those from time to time, but yeah, no, just the, I like this more open shared space of where, It's not like big top dog industry veterans and Desire's just getting started. It's more like a level playing field where everyone's like just wanting to make games together and just putting all that out there. Mm -hmm. You know, the gatekeeping, you know, is starting to come down. We still have a lot of work to do, especially for like marginalized people, especially Mm -hmm. like, you know, they get gatekeeped out the most. But... I think we're definitely working on that and like as like you know people are starting to get turned off from like these big corporations deciding how RPGs should be made and we're more focused on like indies and more people going towards open game licenses and everything that's like really right. Really, I think we're going to see a lot more people from non-RPG backgrounds start making mm-hmm. RPGs and I'm excited to see what they'll make because that's it's going to be stuff we probably will never see before. And who knows, maybe one of those games will be like the next apocalypse world or the next D even mm-hmm, who knows. Mm-hmm. And I hope to be a part of that. It's going to be very interesting.
0: Yeah. I, I love both sides of it too. I love, I think, and I just always want to be an advocate for this is like, there's always a conversation about like, you know, we try to hold these larger companies up for two, to open seats for, Individuals who've never been a part of their company before, right? Marginalized individuals. But I think there's also a movement that's starting to catch, or not a movement. I'm not privy to like any particular movements that haven't like hit news streams or like don't have active lawsuits. You got them, Activision Blizzard, and oof, (laughs) oof. big (laughs) oof. But I also love like the making of spaces, right? Like people are actively like doing their own thing and like i think there is uh a strange energy of here's the thing hasbro right the big the whole big umbrella those people are not going to give up their seats they're not going to give up their jobs because they like the amount of money they're making if i I don't know what those figures look like and i'm not going to look because i i don't give a shit but like we want there's there's a lot of us that want so bad for other people to like make more tables, make more seats for their spaces. And it, it's kind of like an asking permission sort of uh, uh, thing. And I don't think everyone sees it that way. This is just my personal, I guess, hot take right now. But I, I love like people who are starting their own companies and people who are finding their own circles. And like, they don't need to, they don't want that share of the pie, right? Like they don't want that D and D pie, yeah. which I think some people are like, They have so much money they could be giving to people who are in a a different position than them, right? And, like, that's good. I love that energy. But, like, when push comes to shove, those people aren't going to give up their currently perceived livelihood. So I I don't think it's a sustainable thing to ask those companies to, quote, unquote, do the right thing. Because also they see the right thing as, like, I need to maintain food for my family or whatever. Like they'll justify it however they need to justify it, right? No matter how gross the amount of money they may or may not be making is,
3: they'll justify it. And, you know, that's fine, I guess, in a way. Like, I think it's fine that, like, they don't give money to those. Because, like, you know, that's fine. Like, you know, we as you know, industry, you know, like marginalized people, they'll find the money. Their yes. own way. like they'll earn it their own way like you know like and you know even people are starting to move away from Kickstarter with like you know itch mm-hmm. funding where it's like you know you give a certain amount of money if creators to get a certain amount of money from people buying their games on itch they'll be able to fund new stuff like actually printing physical copies mm-hmm. and everything that you know keegan did that with an extremist it's really starting to catch on to now like adam is moving on to game found yep. with their next game cyber metal and i'm very much looking forward to that but it's like yeah, we're. I I personally like that we're starting to move away from like this mentality of oh man, if Hasbro noticed our game, we would get a lot of money too. We're like we don't need them. We yeah. just make our own yeah. stuff. Like we'll do it ourselves. Yep. You know, we'll be like Thanos. We'll do it ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. It's <laughs> cool.
0: I I definitely think that I think that's the energy that not to like this is not to like riff and cut off like what you were talking about. I just want to also be the person that's like. You also don't have to like put in your resume for at like Wizards of the Coast to make it in the industry, right? You don't you don't have to sit at those hills. You don't have to go to Gen Con. You don't have to like if you feel like that's a smart marketing move for yourself. Great, like do that if you think it is constructive to your end goal, right? Use those people, right? Use the I worked at Wizards of the Coast as uh, like. Use that weapon that they give you, right? I love that for sure. Yeah, um,
3: and like, a, but this time to pass.
0: No, down. I was just gonna say that's not like the like that doesn't have to be the top end, right? Like the top end can be game found, can be itch funding, can be magpie successes, yeah. right?
3: Yeah, whatever works for people. Cause like, you know, Tanya, the into the motherlands, they did a Kickstarter for, you know, into the motherlands, mm-hmm. you know, it did really, really well. And it's like, you know, but also I don't blame them for taking, like, you know, I don't blame people for taking like official D and D deals. Like, you know, mm-hmm. people who are like, like, Oh, I'm going to be a DM on like the D and D beyond stream. Like, that's awesome. Like, you know, that's amazing that you got the opportunity. And I hope like they get to use it to the max potential and like everything we want yep. from it. And, you know, like, if Wizards was like we're hiring marginalized creators, like that'd be amazing. Especially if it was leadership positions, mm-hmm. that would be like good. Like, give them those opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's like whatever works for you. Like, you know, if someone out there is like, no, I want to work for D and want to make D and D better. It's like awesome. I hope you guys yeah. do that. I hope you get hired at D and D and you get to make it better. And I hope it is better. But if someone's like, no, uh, screw Hasbro, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm not going to take any of their money. I want to make my own thing, but better. And like, awesome. I hope you get to do that. Like that's what we need more of just more on either. side.
0: Control basically to find our own way to control what we're doing. I think it's all about, all about that, but I love it. I love that you brought that up and that's, that's very beautiful. Derek. I think that's going to bring us to the top of the show at, at 80 minutes here. I know (laughs) I, I keep kept looking like, man, we're 40 minutes in. Man, we're seventy minutes in. What is
3: happening? Yeah, I was. I was like, uh, I looked at the timer. it was like, it was only like only twenty three minutes to pass. I'm like, oh god, we have still so, yeah. so much to talk about, and now it's like, wow, I feel like we barely scratched the scratched the surface of everything. Like, that wow. just means
0: you have to come back, right? Oh yeah,
3: maybe to get a second game out. Shot in the dark, maybe. Derek.
0: You doing something sometime, Derek? How about you close us out with once again reintroduce yourself to anyone who may have kind of. Uh, scrimmed through scrubbed yeah scrubbed is a term scrubbed uh, through the intro and do any other plugs where can they find you where can they talk to you all these links will be down below in the show notes for your access listeners
3: yeah so I'm Derek Revis uh typical G designer I got my first game in a belt you can find me on Twitter at Revenant 97 that is R-E-V-I N-A-N-T 97 <laughs> the number 97 on Twitter you can find my itch page at revenant.itch.io. Revenant spelled like my Twitter handle. You can also find that in my Twitter bio. And I have a blog website, which I really should get back to at ludolich.card.co, which is L U D O L I C H dot card, that's with two R's, dot co. And that's pretty much all my stuff. And yeah, you can also find me on like the Brain Trust, RPGs, Discord servers, and just cheerily out on the internet. So feel free to hit me up with stuff.
0: Hell yeah. Derek, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me.
3: Thank you. It was, it was very, it was very nice. Especially since this is my first podcast (gasps) I've ever done. Yes. I have it.
0: I've claimed (laughs) your soul. You have that honor.
3: (laughs) Yes, you, you have claimed the soul. The bargain has been made. (laughs) Uh, I am, I am now bound to this podcast forever.
0: Everyone at home, I hope you had a great time listening to us. I certainly learned a lot from Derek, and I hope you did too. And we will catch you next time. Say bye to the people, Derek. Goodbye. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you for taking the time to sit down and hang out with Derek and I. We really appreciate it. You can find links and resources down below in the show notes, such as getting in touch with Derek or other episodes with similar topics. If you want to be a part of the conversation, please come and join the community Discord server. Also, make sure to subscribe to the Draw Your Dice Patreon, where you can get access to early releases of episodes from as soon as we interview. Thanks again for stopping by, and as always, I will catch you next time.